Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Nadine Landry and Stephen Sammy Lind. We recorded this last week at my place in Portland, Oregon. Get Up in the Cool is a listener-supported podcast. If you like this show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Shout out to Get Up in the Cool's most recent supporters. I have a lot to catch up with, so let's see. There's Leanna Green and Natalie Pinheiro raised her pledge amount. Thank you very much, Natalie. And Avery Bowen and Eves or Ives. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. I apologize. Uh, Zakai Melamed and Lewis, last name withheld. Thank you all so much, can't do it without you. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with this week's guests, but first, here's my interview and jam with Nadine Landry and Stephen Sammy Lind. Enjoy. Stephen Sammy Lind. That's correct, Sammy yeah. Lind. Welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Hi, Hi Thanks for having us. I've been wanting to meet you all for a really long time. I grew up in Portland and in Hillsborough, just around the corner, mm-hmm. and I didn't get into old time music until I moved away. Yeah. And now I'm back, and I didn't know that there is this huge scene here uh, and the part y'all played in it, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've been trying to like you know, kind of construct this alternate history of like who I might have been if I had known <laughs> all this great music was going on and trying to figure it out and cross-referencing all the different yeah, yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Portland old-time players and 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's really great for me to finally meet you. Ah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Glad likewise. Got to be back in Portland. It's been a long time. Yeah. Where are you all these days? Uh, we live in a little town called Pointe à la Croix in eastern Quebec in the Gaspé coast. Um, what does that mean for people who don't speak um, Cross point. Cross point. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, they would have been a cross that was built there like a long time ago when the French um, French people came over a long, long time ago. So they erected a cross. To... There you go. But there's no longer... One. There. Well, there's like a fake one that they put okay. <laughs> <laughs> near they're the grocery welcome. store. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> welcome to Pointe de Croix. Yeah. 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 They're, all, they're all fake ones. No one's using them yeah. anymore. So it's about eight hours northeast of Montreal or eight hours straight north of Boston. So we're kind of the only one who can say we're driving down to Maine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> down to Maine for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cute. So what did we just play? Uh, we played a tune called The Gentleman from Virginia, and that's a really neat tune. I've only heard one other person play it, and I learned it from him in person. It was uh, Trevor Stewart, a big fiddle mentor of mine, who sadly passed away way too young. And um, he played a lot with his twin brother, Travis, dear buddy. And both those guys uh, were big mentors of mine, fiddle and banjo. They had a record that actually a guy, when I was over in... Ireland in 98 or something like that a friend of mine Tim Rogers over there gave me a cassette tape He's like you got to hear these guys and it was the Stewart brothers and um, I think that's where maybe where you hear Raina Geller play old time for the first time oh, she wow. plays on Harvest huh. tune uh, uh, Potato uh, Chicken and dumplings chicken, chicken and dumplings. Yeah, she's on yeah. that, she's on that record playing that but yeah they just just super inspiring hilarious we always stay up all night laughing so hard and he had he had made a first fiddle and I just absolutely loved it. I never thought about getting a new instrument. And I was like, I've got to get one. And his uh, twin brother, Travis, has the second one. And he had almost finished this one. And he, he sadly passed away. But mm. So I'm really proud to have it. Caroline uh, got it all fixed up and brought it to me at a festival. And uh, yeah, it's just a very, very special to me. And it just keeps getting better and better. And mm. um, yeah, I think he'd be pretty proud that or playing a lot of this music and like playing that tune. And, yeah, think about them every time we, uh, every time we get to get out and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a gorgeous fiddle. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Call it good pe- to look at. Good call, call it peanut. Peanut. Yeah, it, yeah, it's missing the corners. Yeah, and uh, it's all around. I remember asking him, you know, what do you, why are you doing the cornerless fiddles? And actually, like if you look up, it's like the any footage of Bascom Lamar Lunsford yeah. playing. He's yeah. playing a cornerless fiddle on his porch and uh, these big high boots on, but. Uh, <laughs> But Stradivarius even made some cornerless ones. I can't remember the, the exact name. Yeah. Someone's going to correct me or, you know, inform me what the proper name is. I could just look it up. But uh, but he would have gone on to probably make some ones with proper corners. But he was just getting his craft out. I remember yeah. asking him about it. He's like, yeah, it's just easier. And there's one less turn on the scroll, too. <laughs> oh, inter- yeah. It's a little less but, tightly uh, wound, isn't but it? But I think yeah. he, was, he was, like I said, he was just kind of getting his craft down. And, hmm. uh, this, that Beautiful. showed it to many, many violin makers, and they're like, "Wow, that was that's amazing craftsmanship." And and of course, that that's a tradition that's gone forever is having a, a rattlesnake rattle in the yeah. So whenever any of us buddies or anybody we know gets a new fiddle, we have, one of us tries to find a rattle, and you, it's yeah. kind of a something that you're. It's not really yours until you get your rattle in it. That's oh. kind of an old tradition. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think maybe the best way to do this is I'll ask you individually how you got into playing traditional music. Yeah. Ask how y'all met. 
and then I want to ask about Portland stuff yeah. in general. Uh, and then what are y'all working on in the future? That's, and then it might go totally a different way, but that's what I've imagined. Yeah. So Nadine, <laughs> aim for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nadine, when did you start playing traditional music and what tradition was it that you got started on? Uh, well, I grew up in a musical family. Um, my grandma was a fiddle player, and like her mom played the accordion. And out of eight siblings, seven of them played the fiddle. Were they playing Quebecois fiddle? Music? Yeah, but yeah. also like our area. From what I was told, is that there was a radio station, really powerful radio station in West Virginia, that would reach all the way to like northern New Brunswick. And so the repertoire in our area is totally different from like further west or north of Montreal and that area. So there were some traditional Quebecois tune, but a lot of um, standards, you know. I love that because like everyone, sometimes a certain demographic of people can sort of like get a little grumpy about like, oh, you kids have the internet now, you can look, you know, there's no learning in isolation. And then you hear all these, yeah. all these stories of like these radio signals traveling and people getting music not in isolation all the time. Yeah. I love that. That's part of the tradition. And I guess one older brother of my grandma had got first gotten a fiddle and was a logger in some logging camp far away and um, forbid everybody in the family to play his fiddle. Like, nobody can touch my fiddle while I'm away yeah. kind of thing. And one Christmas he was boasting that he was the only one in the family that played fiddle and all the other brothers and sisters were like, uh, no, you're not. Because they had all taken his fiddle, <laughs> of course. Okay, so people, I guess, often call this like Appalachian Suzuki. Do you think that he was saying that in earnest or that was his strategy because he wanted everyone to play? I'm not sure. It was kind of an odd duck, but um, because of him, everybody got to play his fiddle. Either and way, then, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> and then my grandma taught all her kids to play like bang, um, piano and guitar uh, to back up her tunes. And yeah. so all my family gatherings from early on, yeah. like I can remember, it was always around music yeah. Yeah. and dancing and singing and... Yeah. And a lot, a lot of country influence, like old country, like Hank Williams and whatnot. Yeah. And so there was a lot of that going on. And You seem to still like doing it. Sometimes oh, yeah. when there's like a normative activity or culture, in a, especially in a big family, people are like, I need to separate myself from this. I need to differentiate. But you seem to have I've at always... least come back around to it, if not always played it. Yeah, I've always loved it. And also... Because it was my reality, I always assumed that that was everyone's reality yeah. of being young, yeah. where like everybody has music gatherings and stuff. And I remember I was in primary school and some friend was like, oh, I have a family gathering this weekend and you look all bummed about it. I was like, why are you sad? Like, aren't you like sing and dance and play music? He's like, no. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> he just, about? <laughs> just talk about politics and play like really difficult game cards that I can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's super boring for me. And then I think early on, I just really got yeah. how privileged I was to have grown up in such cool family. Huh. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Did was this the first instrument that you uh, that you played? Yeah, I got you? a guitar uh, when I was twelve, yeah. and then played and stuff, and then went to college and then finished college and I was kind of ready to make a move, didn't know what to do. And I had an aunt who had moved to the Yukon territory near Alaska. 
And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go visit her for a couple of weeks. Like, wanted to do my first trip solo. And and then I went there and totally fell in love and stayed for like 17 years and found like a, an amazing uh, music community up there. Mm. Um, people that were like super patient and... Uh, willing to show you stuff and I was playing guitar and I'd gotten a mandolin from my great uncle and then a friend of mine had an upright bass for sale and I was like hey I think I'm gonna buy your bass he's like oh I didn't know you played I was like I've never touched one but um if I ever would want to get one the shipping cost would be like insane insane to ship a bass to the Yukon yeah to ship a bass to the Yukon I mean I would didn't even imagine what it so it was one right there yeah. available and for sale so i just bought it and yeah. then he ended up moving away to like the solomon islands for a year so i ended up with all these gigs not really knowing what i was doing and <laughs> that's yeah. the bassist economy is and just, everyone is expected to sit in on everyone's yeah, yeah you're doing that this weekend yeah 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 <laughs> but so grateful for the the community music community up there to giving me a chance and like teaching me stuff and um, then yeah, I started playing bass and got in, really into like swing and country and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And then the the key moment I think is the first time I went to the Alaska Folk Festival in Juneau. Heard so much about it. I would really it's love to go. Absolutely insane. I remember we just like took uh, for, so for us it was like a three hour drive through a mountain pass, an eight hour ferry. And I went there with a couple of girlfriends and my little guitar and the two bluegrass songs that I knew at the time and didn't realize that the ferry terminal was like 20 something miles from the town. And we're like, oh, shoot, what are we going to do? <laughs> and then some guy was just like magically appeared. Hey, I'm going into town and I know exactly where I'm going to drop you off and then dropped us off in front of the Alaska Hotel. And then we went upstairs and within five minutes we had a beer, I was playing my guitar, we had a place to stay and just there were jams of every kind and every room you'd open a door it'd be like irish jam old-time jam cajun jam people two-stepping in the hallway it was mental yeah. and that is a couple of years after that is the first time that i saw foghorn string band play yeah. live on stage and that was absolute insanity yeah. <laughs> people hanging from the rafters and uh -huh. <laughs> everybody dancing and alaska people have this kind of like superpower of being able to like do super cool couple dancing to the fastest song you've ever heard and just the fact that all these young guys were dancing like know how to two-step and waltz was mind-blowing yeah so i just completely fell in love and tried to go to alaska as much as possible and like secretly hoped that one day i would be able to jam with Foghorn String Band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? Well, it took five years and then... Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, ended up playing and, and getting a boyfriend the same weekend. So Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> at, the, at the same festival? Uh, and another festival, but also in Alaska, which was yeah. like an extra eight-hour ferry uh -huh. uh, right away in a little town called Pelican. But you Pelican. were motivated on a few levels. Oh, yeah. So, well, uh, I was like, I want to play that kind of music. I want to make people happy. I want to yeah. make people dance. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's really lovely. I, I've been doing this show for um, seven years at now, and every few episodes, that's like their old-time music origin story is... I saw Foghorn, oh, you know, when I was this age, you know, when I was like middle-aged or I saw Foghorn when I was 
you know, six, you know, and <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a common, a common story, but, but not as common is. And then I started dating one of them and joined the band. <laughs> so that's, that's one that yeah. Yeah. 16 years later. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's play another tune. And then Sammy, I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you grandma's? Yeah. Maybe we'll play a tune that we directly learned from my grandma. Um, Did she learn this on the, on the radio? She learned it from a, a guy in like a few villages over named Roland Cyr. So she named it Roland Cyr's Real. Perfect, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it was so cool. I have a cool video of her showing it to Sammy. <laughs> and uh, and she, she used to do the, the foot tapping. Sure, yeah. But uh, with slippers on carpet. So it's not <laughs> percussive by any means. But it seems like if she didn't do the feet thing, she, she couldn't play fiddle. It just was yeah, part of her to, body. Yeah. Like, ah. Um, so yeah, Roland seals real. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to have you text me the the spelling. Of yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I can't search for it even because I don't know the right oh, yeah, the... combinations of letters. So.
some banjo right? playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she had this beautiful slinky, real slippery right right arm bowing, like bowing arm it was always really fun to watch her play. And, hmm. and she'd be kind of rough a little bit, like she'd come over for a gathering, and as she got older, the tunes got shorter and shorter. But we had this one afternoon that we went over to their their place, which is just right near where we live right now. And we got her whole repertoire recorded on video, oh. which is pretty. And she played all the tunes like extra long. Yeah. She wore a little cute little sailor hat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. Uh, it was really sweet. Yeah, very are sweet. The, are those like posted anywhere? Are They're on my old computer. So if we can fire that one up, we could share them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at some point. So that this winter, I think we're gonna try to dive in and try to learn the whole repertoire. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love like it. I mean, it sounds like maybe she played a lot of old time repertoire as well as. Yes. Yeah, she kind of did a mix of both, but also Rubber like, Dolly um, yeah, Rubber Dolly and St. Anne's Real, like that kind yeah, of Yeah, like, yeah. The classics. The ones that the travel. Chestnuts. Yeah. yeah, the chestnuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to hear like an archive of. Yeah, yeah, we'll send you tunes something. through that, yeah, through that lens. Yeah, absolutely. Like, with, the, with the soft feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was playing, playing piano and. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool. So when did you start playing fiddle, Sammy? I started playing fiddle when I was about, I guess, 18 or 19. Is that I your played first? Gu- I played guitar since I was really young. You know, I started little rock bands in the neighborhood, and, you know, in third and fourth grade. And you started little rock bands in third yeah, and fourth grade? Yeah, big time, yeah. Oh, I my was, God. Yeah, yeah I, was, I got real serious about the guitar pretty much in fourth grade. Who were your, your heroes? Uh, well, I grew up in Minneapolis, yeah. so a lot of the great rock bands like Husker Du, The Replacements... Soul Asylum. Uh, I know. So I've heard yeah, of that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, lucky enough to get to hear those guys and uh, older brothers who got me. Uh, who, you know, I remember getting like a, you know, a Husker Du tape for my birthday when I was ten or something like that. Yeah. Older and, siblings are yeah. such a oh yeah like powerful my, resource. Yeah. So my older brother yeah. Eric got me into most of all that kind of music, and then later into the Pogues and then traditional Irish music and then that was your pipeline and, and yeah. then and cool. then you know the record High Atmosphere which had us all the you know down that path and yeah and but my my dad uh, my dad was a huge fan of like Doc Watson and Norman Blake and just kind of and he listened to Bluegrass Saturday morning every every Saturday did you like listening to Bluegrass yeah. with dad yeah kind of yeah. I mean family trips always had Doc Watson and uh, and then so I would I started to kind of get into that and um, and started flat picking. I started to learn from a guy named Bill Kegley in the Minneapolis in the, in the cities, uh, Minneapolis St. Paul area, and a phenomenal flat picker, kind of a protege of Norman Blake. Yeah, that sort of real. Huh. Like I'm, I feel so fortunate that the teacher that I, I learned from was, uh, you know, in that in that vein. Like he really called them fiddle tunes and played yeah. them like in a traditional style, like really kind of through the, you know, really thinking about the fiddle itself and yeah. not just a bunch of hot licks and stuff. Right, yeah, that yeah. seems to, I am I mean, from my experience listening to Norman Blake and interviewing people who base their guitar playing on him, it seems like he sits in this, this in-between, yeah. this liminal space between old time and bluegrass, you know, yeah. and like prioritizes like the groove and the tone mm-hmm. in a way that maybe some bluegrass flat pickers... Yeah. Yeah, uh, prioritize different things. Yeah. yeah, and also there's a the Minneapolis area has always been really um, kind of an amazing spot. Like I, I mentioned, some of those punk rock bands that were really influential. But then going back, you know, Bob Dylan's from that area. Oh, I didn't, I a, didn't know. Yeah, that. the whole folk scene in the '60s, and from that came a trio called Kerner and Glover. 
And so growing up, like again, my older brother got me into this guy named Spider John Kerner, and then it was Dave Snake Array and Tony Little Song Glover. But Spider would play, you could go see him uh, all the time. Dave Ray and Tony Glover have since passed on, but <laughs> Spider's still going. He's in his 80s now. I think he was born in 1938. Is that what inspired you to have uh, a, a quotation like no, name? No, <laughs> like that I was a total mistake. <laughs> um, yeah. That was a total mistake. Yeah. Someone, well, actually, I think you interviewed him, but uh, this guy, Alan Guerin, who was... Oh, yeah. He, uh, I think Taylor Grover, who was our original sure. graduate player. also know him, yeah. He uh, he came in, and uh, I was playing in a session, and Taylor was like, who's that guy? And, like, I, you know, I had a fake ID going to the session, and would go every week and play with Greg Clark and Alan and this guy, Steve Caps, And, uh, and I think Alan had said to Taylor, like... Oh, that's you don't know Sammy yet. And then so when Taylor came over, he's like, "Hey, Sammy, what's up?" And I'm like, "That's oh, Steven. And it's like, it's like, that's a violinist name. Sammy's a fiddler's name. And it just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyone anyone who's known me like before age nineteen or whatever, they all call me Steve, probably. Yeah. And then anyone after pretty much sticks the same. Oh, perfect. Because <laughs> I've, I've heard iterations of the story, but I was hoping that we could get it on the record, what actually yeah. happened. So it's yeah. kind of like every once in a while, like, yeah. like uh, I don't know if you know, like Dave Pugh from uh, Jack Straw and Pig Iron, they were, those guys were like my heroes when I first started going to sessions and you could go see them any night of the week. And, uh, and uh, but he'll, like, uh, I'll probably see him later on today and he'll probably call me Steve when I first see him. Yeah. Maybe oh, wow. switch to Sammy. But, Funny. Uh, just like some old pals like that. Um, but yeah, so, and I, so yeah, luckily, like all through junior high and high school, I was able to see Spider John play. And he did like more like early country blues, like finger style, like this really powerful style. And that guy, Bill Kegley, I was talking about, you know, I took lessons for a couple of years. And he also played that finger style. So I really wanted to get a good mix of both. And then um, my older brother, Eric, got a, just, I think he discovered what old time was. I came back from a year out here at Lewis and Clark College. And went back for the summer, and he had gotten a open back banjo, and found an old time session, and then I got one, and then I started to meet fiddlers, and I was like, oh, I want to try out fiddle, and I pretty much stopped everything, like, yeah. music wise, and and just played the fiddle like nonstop for. Well, I, I go to the session and play guitar. I think that's sure. a good way to yeah. you know to to learn the music is to learn the chords and learn how the tunes go. And then I'd go home and woodshed. And, and so this was in Portland. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Cause yeah. you were saying off record, uh, that you came here for Lewis and Clark. Yeah. And then where, where was the session at that time? It was at the lucky Labrador. Oh, lucky, or the lucky lab. Um, okay. So there's two, if, at least two of those. Yeah. You know? It used to be like, which on, one? Uh, like Hawthorne or, you know, with the, okay. Like and ninth Great. or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and nice. I used to go there and yeah, the first guy I met walked in was Greg Clark. Yeah. who uh, he lived in Lake Oswego at the time near Lewis and Clark and it just was like a big uh, he's well known in the this community for his bluegrass mandolin playing but he had just kind of gotten the old time bug this is like the mid 90s and um, was still playing mandolin but was learning fiddle and was a great banjo player too and just the all around incredibly nice nice fella and it would, kind of a huge mentor I'd go over there for like you know, supper on Friday night, and mm. and he he got me to play like my first square dance. Like I got to play a bunch of banjo with like Dave Mount and Bill Martin was calling, and Nancy yeah. Ma Nancy Martin was in the band. Yeah, that was out in Silverton at a little Grange Hall, and uh, yeah, and from then I was just like, oh, this is what you know, just couldn't wait to do more of that. 
And they were doing, it used to be called Duffy's Pub up in St. John's. They used to do a monthly square dance. Their band was called Spud Mountain. And, uh, yeah, so there's a monthly dance up there. And, uh, yeah, so that was, and then I went away for like a year to study in Germany and spent a lot of time in Ireland. And what they, were you studying? Well, it was, in any other school, I'd had like a, you know, like a liberal arts degree, but it yeah. was German studies. So I was studying in okay. Munich and then yeah. was able to have a lot of time to travel to, went to Ireland and Sweden a bunch. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then came, they came back for my last year and, um, and it was just, you know, like any, like Jack Straw was playing like almost seven nights a week at that time. And also Pig Iron would play a couple times a month and mm. I'd always just kind of, you know, want to hang out with those guys. And at that, when I came back, Caleb Potter had joined Pig Iron. He was still, had his other man, Colobo. And I think maybe his first solo record, Sings Out, was about to come out. And we just totally hit it off. And would, you know, after any of the shows, I'd be like, hey, we're going to go jam. And they were probably like sick of me right away, but we'd have, end up usually having tunes after the shows. Yeah. And I remember like staying up all night so many times. Caroline Oakley kind of came into the picture at that point too, like going to all the gigs. And yeah. She had this great house I ended up living in for a while with a barn on the back, and we'd just like go hang out in that barn. I remember playing tunes and driving straight back, finishing term papers and going yeah. back to class. And I don't know how I made it through my last year of school. But. And amazing people, you know, David Mount was around, um, you know, a big fiddle hero of mine. And um, just, it was pretty amazing the you know, pretty much any time you could get together with these folks and, you know, just, there was just a real enthusiasm going. And I think we just, that enthusiasm just kind of grew and friendships grew and we just kind of wanted to dive deeper, as deep as we could into the tunes. And then Bill started asking us to play dances and that was, and we were called Foghorn Leghorn at first. Was, oh, interesting. Yeah. And then uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know if I had heard that. Uh, yeah, Taylor in the band, he used to listen to this radio show, and whenever the guy would hear, uh, it was this back in Georgia, I think, and I think I'm getting the story right, but um, he, uh, like, whenever the, the, the guy would hear something that was like just a ridiculous kind of southern stereotype, he would say, Oh, it's so Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. So he'd use it as like that. So us being in the Pacific Amazing, Northwest, yeah. playing, you know, typically, I guess typically known as Southern music. It was sure. Kind of a play on that. But then we knew once we made, we made our first CD, Rattlesnake Tidal Wave, and we couldn't keep the name, obviously. We kind of contacted some people, and it was Time Warner Entertainment owns the name Foghorn Lakehorn. So we just, people were calling us Foghorn already. So yeah. we just kept it Foghorn String Band. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So what are we going to play next? Well, we're going to play a nice Cajun waltz. Um, I fell in love with Cajun music, uh, strangely, in Alaska, because I saw all these people having so much fun playing Cajun music and not speaking any French, but somehow they sung in French. And I was like, well, it's my first language. Why am I not doing that? Yeah. I want to do that right yeah. now. And then I got super obsessed and then uh, got a grant to go study down in Louisiana with Joel Savoy oh, and wow. Christine and Dirk. and Amazing. Yeah, so... Um, and this song we got from a great recording of um, Courtney Granger and um, Jason. Jason Fry. It's called The Waltz of No Return. Okay. It's I'll play. It's very oh. sad. I'm trying to do my best Cajun claw hand. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> we love Cajun banjo. Go for it. <laughs>
so beautiful. Thank you. What can you translate for the non-French speaking listeners and including me? Yeah, yeah. So um, it says uh, I was gone on a Saturday afternoon when you told me that um, you you couldn't love me anymore, and when I went back to the house, uh, I saw that you had find someone else other than me. The walks of no return. Yeah. Oh my God. It's pretty sad. I, I mean. This seems to be a common theme yeah. in Cajun uh, oh, yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's like the blues and yeah, yeah. French. Yeah. But, uh, it seems to be a common theme in humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that... Share our miseries and... The, well, it's predominantly men that were singing like to the top of their range. Yeah. And just like, it seems like no matter what language you speak, you can feel the... Yeah. Distress and the yeah. melancholy. Someone has been j- jilted. Yeah. <laughs> That's the. Yeah. And also, like it's, I just try to put myself in those that era of pre microphone and just like you had to play and perform in front of people at like a bar and yeah. people were dancing and drinking and fighting and you had to be really loud so you had sure. to sing at the top of your range. So I think that I try to channel that. Mm-hmm. I think you think you did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, we just uh, want to go for it. When it's in the right key, you just got to pick the right key. It was great. some YouTube comment the other day, like, these guys are good, but Nadine Landry shouts way too loud. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> sorry, random person <laughs> sorry, on the internet for screaming. Guy. No, you, you, got, you got it, though, because, like, I think the the current, like, culture of, you know, like, therapy speak and like couching your language you know and stuff is like i think is important however it is not cathartic (laughs) and we need ways to like actually have like a somatic response when you sing loud like that people can't they don't just hear it they feel it and i think they need to and then hopefully you can resonate some other like oh i need to process the last time that I did a waltz of no return. Yeah. 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 So thanks. I think it's really important. Well, and just sing, like huh? channeling uh, Courtney when he used to sing, like he would sing a whole night and then he would say like how much like his insides were hurting because he was like giving it all. He said, oh man, like it just, my stomach hurts so much because all his muscles, like yeah. it, he just put everything into his singing. And I would just like, just hearing Courtney sing, just tears just roll yeah, down get, all the time like I and get, songs that i've heard like a million times and him singing them just like yeah, yeah. just made me very very emotional yeah i remember i got to tour with belfa du jour a little bit and play some bass or some double fiddles and uh and uh was rooming with courtney and i remember exactly what she was saying like he woke up in the morning he's like oh man my stomach and i was it's like, like hung oh. over from singing and yeah and I, remember, and I was like oh man you gonna be okay you got the flu or something he's like no it's from singing last night and i was like wow that's like full on like that was a big lesson learned right there just putting it all and he'd play and you look over just tears would be streaming down his face oh you know, just like so wrapped up in the song it's like he's doing cardio yeah, oh, yeah definitely <laughs> oh Great. so how did you two meet and i know yeah. that you met yeah so that was 2003 yeah. 2003 when that first time that foghorn string band went up there and um but then we'd see each other maybe a little you know cross paths different fest yeah they did right? go back to the folk fest in juno and <clears throat> i go there every year and see them and party and <clears throat> yeah. jam and stuff then i 
happened to be down at Merlefest one year that y'all were playing with. You and Caleb were playing with Dirk yeah. and um, Travis. And, and then, yeah, that uh, Pelican Boardwalk Boogie is really the weekend that it mm-hmm. all gelled. Where <laughs> yeah, we had kind of a throw-together, ver- this, this is 2008 in May, and uh, we had kind of a throw-together version of Falkhorn, and the guitar player had moved on to other things, and the bass player didn't want to come, and so our banjo player was trying to kind of play guitar, but he wasn't, at the time, he was to get up and play the bar gig, and he's like, man, I can't really do this, and Nadine was, we had jammed with her all day, and she was dancing in the front, and we're like, get up here, and she played guitar for three hours with us, and was just like, in the band. So. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you know, we got together as a couple, and she went to fiddle tunes that summer and came down to Portland, and we were, we had a bunch of gigs, I remember Dirk was even around in a bunch, and we played few gigs together and she was already just rocking the bass and we'd go over to Caleb's all afternoon just three of us playing a bunch and then we actually we had a five string outfit that we could play in town but then we toured for like three like three and a half years almost as Foghorn Trio and have an album out um then I guess Reap joined in 2011 or 12 mm-hmm. and uh and it was then we went back to the name Foghorn String Band and we have three albums with that now it's funny the current lineup but it's been you know that lineup's been together twice as long as the, the right original. right yeah <laughs> like probably 13 years solid now with the with the four of us yeah i've been put, yeah like piecing it together very slowly because yeah. i just assumed I mean, this was like the original lineup and then i i, ke- I kept meeting yeah. people in portland you know at, at like at the moon or whatever and be like oh yeah i was in Falkhorn. and i was like yeah. oh wait how many <laughs> how many of y'all are there yeah. yeah the original guitar player was jesse withers who's okay. a bass player and uh, jack straw and yeah. his mother is mary flower Okay, wow. Yeah. And yeah. then Kevin Sandry joined shortly, yeah. like when we, before we recorded the first I just album. met him last month. Okay. Yeah, the first time. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, took Kevin Sandry, yeah. awesome bass player, guitar, a great guitar player. And Brian Begdonis, um, you know, incredible bass player, just rocking energy and just super, super cool. Great, uh, great, great guy. And um, yeah, so we had that, that five piece went really strong for like five years. And then um, Taylor, the banjo player, he originally started off, he played uh, like fretless banjo, like claw hammer, like really great at that. And, um, but the, with the mandolin in there, with Caleb playing mandolin, that sound just kind of got lost. Right. And uh, right. a friend from England, lefty Dave Wright, wild man from over there, one of Taylor's old friends, he sent us a cassette tape of John Ashby and the Free State Ramblers, and it had the three-finger banjo pick in it. Yeah. And I just loved the way that those tunes sounded, and Taylor was like, whoa. You know, and he, he got a resonator banjo and started picking yeah. And it just opened up this cool space yeah. sonically, like, for the mandolin, and, like, it added a whole other level of rhythm with the, the, you know, playing three-finger over the tunes. Yeah, probably no one else was specifically doing... The yeah. groups of three and yeah. things like that, or to roll and like the, the the Ronnie Poe who played with the with John Ashby's band, he definitely kind of stuck to this one pattern and played you know more as like a rhythmic role. But Taylor had all the left hand of you know learning all the round peak stuff. Sure. So yeah. I added this whole other kind of neat dimension. We'd have sessions, you know, like these six hour sessions at Weezer, and like we Taylor we'd like sit across from each other. I'd be playing like fretless claw hammer, and Taylor was on. Uh, three finger and a lot of times even fretless uh, uh, like resonator like a couple of our records he plays like Repo Iso and Boombox Square Dance he's playing a fretless oh yeah uh, right on 
Canadian Thunder, we called that banjo. It was made in Canada. He bought it solely because it was the loudest banjo of all time. <laughs> but uh, like like our left hand was, was just funny because we'd be playing and our, our left hands were doing exactly the same thing. We learned all the tunes exactly the same way, but he was able to add the yeah. three-finger dimension on the right hand. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the first few years, because the question was when we got together. Right. <laughs> yeah. The first couple of years was kind of hard because I was touring with another band and then we never knew when we'd going to see each other next. And that was yeah. a bit nerve-wracking because we were really enamored with each other and right. wanted to well, see I mean, each other as like much you, as possible. And It sounds like you joining the band and you two becoming partners happened basically simultaneously. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it yeah. happened like yeah. uh, the first the first night and we kissed by the duck hunting machine like uh, <laughs> duck hunter. By the game? Duck like the <laughs> game? Oh my by the, the arcade game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, just try to I remember like we got yeah, we got together in May and then um we're looking at our like calendar like pre smartphone like so and your agenda like so what you got going on this summer and he's like well uh, late august early september i'm going over to ireland and then i look and i'm like me too so uh we met there a few times like if he had days off he would come and hang out with yeah. me and if i had mm. days off i'd go and hang out with them and so that was really cool and then um then for a couple of years like we never didn't really live anywhere we were just touring like yeah. I think the one year we were gone, 341 days that's in the most, year. That's most of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, we'd always, we have between tours, we'd always go to Alaska or oh, Louisiana. Uh, or Louisiana, spend a ton of time in Louisiana. Yeah. And, and then uh, or... we got married in uh, 2013 and then initiated the immigration process for Sammy to move to Canada and then got um, accepted in 2014 and moved to the Yukon and then it's, we, we were gone a lot during that yeah. time as well but it was awesome that Sammy got his permanent residency and then I, I really thought I'd live in the Yukon for the rest of my life and then very randomly we had been on tour for months all over the place and my mom sent me a house for sale sign on the road that we live now and uh, that I grew up on. It's like, hey, cereal's house for sale, y'all should buy it. Like, and mom had just started texting, so there was like emoji central, like just like (laughs) (laughs) smiley face, smiley face, heart, 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 smiley face. And we're like, well, I started looking at it and I don't know, being too touring musician and having the opportunity to buy a house just was like very... And it's a beautiful area. Every time I'd visit, you know, for the 10 years previous yeah. to that, I'd be like, we gotta move here. And she'd be like, heck no. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the first time we came to us, I was like, why are we not living here? Like, I don't know. I try really hard to leave this place. And yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. So. It's, it's but like now, a, like, to be back and, like, we packed the U-Haul and I booked a tour across Canada to pay for the U-Haul and all the expenses and, like, got to the house. And it was just so hilarious. My mom and my cousin were waiting in the driveway, like, arms in the air and she had set up for the neighbor to come and help us undo all the boxes and it was really funny like I was just handing boxes and like five minutes later the U-Haul is empty and the last thing we had packed was like our bed with all the the bedding and the blankets and everything and wrapped all that in plastic so we like put that in the house and undid the plastic and it's like yeah we're sleeping here tonight yeah. <laughs> so it's that already. was perfect and 
at first I was like, well, the family can stop by anytime. It's going to be great. And yeah. I was like, oh, the family can stop by anytime. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's perfect. Like we're yeah. all on the same road and my family's been there for like many, many generations. And it's just so cool to be back to with the family. And We had a similar, I mean, not, not quite as close, but like when we moved back from Philly to to Oregon, it was like, oh yeah, you know, family can watch it. <laughs> and then they're like, what are you doing today? What are you doing tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you, uh, you got your experience of differentiation to go explore the world and you got enough of that so that you felt ready. Yeah. And we, right. I mean, we can still, it's super inconvenient to leave from our house because there's not really any good airport. So we do a lot of 12 hour train ride to get to Montreal. Oh and, yeah. but whatever, we, we love where we live and, um, yeah. can, we have also more visitors coming to visit us. Like it's out of the way, but not as yeah. out of the way than when we lived in the Yukon. So sure. Um, sure. And we're just so grateful because we, we stay in people's houses all the time. Like we just, see so many different bedrooms and pillows in a year yeah. and now that we can give back the hospitality that we've yeah. received like yeah. it's just so cool we love it when people come to visit and yeah. we made some rooms for guests and yeah. it's just really fun yeah you're always gonna visit you got the wood fire I would, out, I would love to yeah, yeah. that yeah. sounds any great any kind of oh, season yeah. is fun like uh, lots of snow a lot usually. of snowshoeing after we get back yeah yeah we can leave right from right it's the top of the Appalachian Mountains people always think that Right. They associate it with more they, south. They keep going. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not because there's a different country that yeah. the mountains stop. Like yeah. the mountains don't know <laughs> yeah. where the line is. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, how about one from the, the Watson family? Is yeah. Beautiful one that we could try with the song that Doc Watson's wife, Rosalie, wrote. Yeah. yeah wh- which one? Long Journey. Oh, yeah. Very good. Long Journey. What? This is in D? D, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Right. And as the angels come and call 
sweet. I was thinking as you're singing in that because you were. Um, Will you get that backstory actually? Yeah, on well, the story that I that I had heard was that uh, Rosalie was home all alone and was just like sweeping in the kitchen or something like that, and it was the first time that Doc had taken Merle out on tour. Maybe he was Doc, Merle was sixteen or seventeen, and she was just looking out the window and just like, wow, what if they'd never come back? And that was uh, just sort of where it started that that song. And you can hear, you have to hear Rosalie sing it and Doc sing it and play guitar behind it. So it's, beautiful. It's unbelievable. And of course, it's been covered a million times by everybody. Yeah. You know, Alison Krauss and Robert Plant even. And uh, But it's just one of those songs I always go back to. And it's just always a really, really powerful song. I just have complete chills right now. Yeah. The lyrics and that. And, yeah, it's so yeah. interesting to hear you two sing it because your your story, I feel like, is actually about the 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 risk of being smashed together <laughs> and not having any space, yeah. and you're still here. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> um, but it has similar stakes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. And look at you here. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. Still, still together. Still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. It's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Like, uh, I never really brought any boyfriends home too much growing up. And uh, Sammy was kind of like the first serious boyfriend I was bringing over. And we were in Montreal. And Dad was like, so when are you coming? I was like, okay, we're leaving a certain time. So, like, plus eight hours. He was kind of trying to make our ETA. I was like, oh, we got to leave a little bit later because we gotta go to a grocery store and get some gluten-free stuff because like Sammy's kind of gluten-free like at that time <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and he's like okay and then we're driving and and then he uh, my dad calls like okay so when are you get, getting close by he's like yeah he's like okay well uh, what kind of beer does Sammy drink I was like well he doesn't really drink beer because it's got gluten in it and and then we're getting close by he's like so are you close now he's like yeah but we just gotta make a little stop at, in town to stop at the pharmacy because he's, he's allergic to cats and he's like what kind of boyfriend are you bringing up? <laughs> you get so excited to like connect with this person. <laughs> and my like dad was like, what's going on? And then like showed up with the fiddle. And of course the, the yeah, entire yeah. family fell in love with him. Not going for just... anymore, but I still am allergic to cats. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as like he broke up the fiddle, like yeah, it was like love forever from the uh, family. And yeah. even... Uh, my Aunt Manette, who doesn't speak any English at all after a couple beers, she'll be like, Sammy, I love you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Everybody's a so big fan sweet. of Sammy in the family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I hate to move into the professional promotional part of the show after such lovely sentiments and big feelings but where do people go to hear y'all play live to hear your recorded works how do they keep up to date with where you'll be next all that stuff so we have a website uh, called nadineandsammy.com we also have a facebook page nadine landry and steven samuelin and instagram at uh, nadine and sammy uh, we can also um, check us out with foghorn string band 
in all the social media you can think of. There's and we have an album out as a duo called Granddad's Favorite. I was just listening to that today. And hopefully one, we recorded one a long time ago that we still have put out, but it would be nice to make a new record. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, five years ago. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to get it out. <laughs> it's on my phone, I think. <laughs> so and much of it is like just getting the actual thing done, and then from there it's a whole other journey. Uh, one project that we also really enjoyed doing was the Cajun Country Revival with Joel Savoy and Jesse Leger and um, a couple record, one with uh, Caleb and um, Ned and Paul Brainerd. Paul Brainerd. Um, so that was, I love playing with that band. I miss those guys so mm. much. Um, and yeah, it's a bunch of video on YouTube that you, YouTube that you can check out. And yeah. yeah. Perfect. I'll mention all that stuff again in the yeah. in the outro, and people can look in the episode description and sort of tap and swipe until they're they purchased all the albums. And oh yeah. <laughs> subscribe to all of the things. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your yeah for a little time music gathering yeah. to do this. It's great to be back, and thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. thank you so yeah. much. It's great. To, with, you know, we've, we've seen your name so much, and just to have a chat with you is great. Yeah. So good playing with y'all. What should we do for our final tune or song? Uh, should we just, do, just crank an A tune? Yeah. A tune cranking time. Yeah. Great. Wow. I, yeah. think this, for I think this banjo is an A. I'm going to turn it off my nose. Yeah, so here's, here's a tune called Dony. D O N E Y. Just means like sweetie pie or whatever you like to say. Perfect. Um, my pet, as they used to say. Hard <laughs> family lyrics and stuff. Probably can't say it anymore. But, <laughs> but, um, so no, let's bring back my pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried. I like it. <laughs> and then, uh, but it's from a really great compilation called Great Big Yam Potatoes. Yeah, really amazing fiddle tunes on there. So here's Dope. Come here.
Visit Nadine and Sammy's website at nadineandsammy.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram so you'll be sure to hear about their yet-to-be-released album. In the meantime, get yourself a copy of their 2010 album, Granddad's Favorite. And of course, check out Foghorn String Band and Cajun Country Revival. All that's linked in the show notes for this episode. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's also linked in the show notes along with links to sign up for banjo lessons with me. Then there's pitchforkbanjo.com, my Clawhammer instructional video series, and cameronduit.com slash store where you can purchase my archived workshops. Check out my old-time trio, Tall Poppy String Band, and follow us on social media. We're about to announce our first 2024 tour. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. 